Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Talk About Secure IT, where we discuss all things cybersecurity, people, trends and products. So thank you for joining us on episode 6 where we have landed a big fish. I met today's guest in December of 2010, a day that I remember very very well, and he has deeply affected my life as a person, my life at work, my colleagues lives my life at home with family and generally in his words the entire spectrum personal and professional ladies and gentlemen welcome the channel guru the life and legacy sage the oracle from harlan iowa the one and only arlen sorensen welcome arlen thank you philip uh, it's great to be with you and i think you just called me old actually but uh i wear that proudly as you can tell wise arlen more than more than you're not old you're better with age and wise definitely and uh thank you for being here so if there's one thing that stands out um uh, and i'm going to offer on your behalf to everyone access to your daily uh words of wisdom on a blog that's really awesome and at the bottom of that there's a signature that says I'm a simple farm boy yet um you know you, there's nowhere on the channel that you're not known and I'm not sure how to position this question because a journey implies going from point A to point B and if we look at you you are on the farm where you started life as your signature says a simple Iowa farm boy If I look at this technologically, I mean there's some beautiful things and thanks for the couple of times that you've invited us over to the farm um where you can sit in an air conditioned HEPA filtered uh tractor cabin and literally play games while the tractors go down miles of farmland planting seeds, you know, guided by GPS and you're able to extract from a literally from a square foot of land the maximum number of seeds and water and i mean this is high tech stuff and on the other side juxtaposition this with you know we in in the business uh, in the cybersecurity and the technology business can't throw a thumb drive far enough without it hitting someone who knows the wise arlen sorensen right so you're known everywhere um you're still on the farm so talk about that journey please Well, it's been an interesting journey and first and foremost, I still am a farm boy. So, uh, I, you know, I've been in the technology industry now for uh almost 40 years, but uh I I I claim my farm heritage is still foundational and and we're we're pretty much coming around full circle. So, uh you know, I came back to the farm in 1977 after graduating from Iowa State uh with my farm operations degree that was my intent to uh join my dad and later my brother on the family farm and uh I did do that for for a number of years um but in 1982 I bought this Apple 2 plus computer um with the intent of using it to keep track of our farm accounting records um uh, so it was a a a farming related purchase but I just got intrigued by that little little machine. Uh you know, I still remember the sales guy that sold it to me. It was a 16K dual floppy green screen Apple II Plus. And he told me this is more computing power than you'll ever need. 
uh, you can't outgrow this machine. Well, that, that didn't prove to be true, but it certainly uh, gave me the bug. And uh, I began to uh, help other farmers buy a, buy a Apple II system and uh, put it in for, for them, just kind of out of fun. And it was about three years later that I decided, you know, I'm spending an awful lot of time doing, uh, helping people with these things. Maybe there's a small business I could start on the side, support my own habit, basically, of, of uh, wanting to buy technology and, and software and stuff. So we started a small little side business and uh, did that for a few years before in 1990, we decided to incorporate and really turn this into a company that would would start to grow so still here on the farm and uh, headquartered here for a lot of our enterprises um, it's what i call home i look out my window and i've got a, a bean field right outside my door basically and uh, you know it, it is core to what we do i have a precision ag business that i've had for uh, since the 90s that uh, focuses on GPS technologies and other things related to the farm. Drones are the big thing right now. Um, so it's a combo of, of technology and agriculture. And, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed that, that ride and it's been a lot of fun. Over the years, of course, you know, when you're in the channel for over 30 years, people do tend to find out who you are. And uh, I've always been active in a lot of the uh, channel groups. So... Uh, you know, people, a uh, lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances, a lot of really good times uh, in the technology business. But uh, I don't miss not owning uh, my MSP any longer. And uh, so it's fun to, to be helping people with their businesses rather than being responsible for my own. Definitely an amazing story. And um, I'm wondering, Arland, you know, the ripples or the ripple effect you've had and the people and their lives that you have changed will probably be, you know, in the hundreds of thousands if someone ever counts from peer groups to families to colleagues. So, you know, thank you for everything you do. No, I was going to say there, there's ripples on the other side, too. In my early years of running the company, I... I had a lot of lessons to learn, and unfortunately, there's there was some uh, collateral damage to some of my stupidity in the early days. So, ripples go both ways, and I'm I'm hoping there's way more positive than negative. We're going to add uh, humility to the allocate uh, to the accolades, uh, Arlen. So, question two is going to go off in a little different direction, uh, and I'm going to position this for you. So. You know, our great ancestors uh, started walking the lands about 400,000 years ago. And I promise this question is going to head towards something related to you. But, uh, uh, you know, Homo erectus, right? We figured out we're going to walk and we have use of our hands. And about, um, you know, we spent some time figuring out fire. And then about 200,000 years ago, uh, our direct ancestors, the Homo sapiens, figured that they don't have to sit for five hours a day and chew food, right? So there's a there's an advantage to fire and barbecue, something the Iowans know very, very well. And, and the point I'm about to make is that thanks to um, us being able to eat much faster and not having to gorge on carcasses for half a day, um, we now have some time that we can put to good use. And you refer to this with an acronym, 
Habu, H-A-B-U, and it talks about the highest and best use uh, of one's time. So how do you um, balance, and, and I know you also talk about balancing one's life personally, professionally, at work, at play, you're a father, a husband, uh, a grandfather, um, you know, peer group leader, coordinator, facilitator, uh, a farm to run, IT, and above all of this, uh, if there's one thing that, that I'm always amazed at is how you represent constantly an ambassador for spirituality, your spirituality at work as well. So uh, let's talk about this balance. Uh, do share with us, please. Well, it's not easy, I can tell you that, uh, and it, it never will be easy. Probably the biggest misconception about the whole term work-life balance is that there actually can be balance. That is not true. What you have to do is manage work-life tension, and it's a constant tension because there's more of work and more of life than will fit in a 24-hour day. And so... You know, what I've learned the hard way, uh, actually, is that you have to make choices about what's most important and prioritize those things so that you put time where it matters most. Getting back to your Habu comment, you know, we only have, we got 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 168 hours a week. We're going to sleep a good chunk of that. We're going to take care of, you know, eating and personal things, and, and then we got to work. If you do the math, there's just not a lot of free time available. So we have to make sure we're maximizing our time every step of the way. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, in the 90s, I did a very poor job of that. Um, and probably one of, the, one of the most impactful things that happened to me along that early journey of not knowing what I was doing in this regard was when my daughter, who was probably four at the time, um, came to my desk and said, and I'll get emotional here, um, but she said, Daddy, what do I have to do to be a customer? And I said, why? You don't need to be a customer. I said, they get all your time. You know, we're 35 years later. Certainly, certainly impacted me. I, I can imagine, and that's one thing that we didn't know, and I, I thank you for, for sharing that. So that would have been you know, a deep and deep moment for you. But yes, please uh, talk some more about, so you, you took that to heart, obviously a deep moment between father yeah. and daughter. Yeah, and, and so you know, I, I realized at that point that I needed to get my act together and put priority where priority matters. Um, you know, and it, it's not easy, uh, you know, work, work can just consume you, especially as a small business entrepreneur, you know, who's already wired to see work and hard work as an answer to a lot of problems. And as, as males fixing things is another thing that we're guilty of always wanting to go do. Um, but you know. Lessons like, like my daughter taught me helped me to begin to put perspective around it. And, and part of that, Philip, was really then getting reconnected, I would say, with my spiritual roots. And 
the importance of understanding that, you know, I wasn't just here to take up space and breathe air. God created me for a purpose. I was here on purpose and I needed to figure out what that was, which at the time I didn't really know, but to really take the time to really think about, dig into and understand why I was here, what I was, you know, created to, to do and, and then prioritize that along with the other things that were important like family, um, you know, to make sure my time got used in the right ways. And it was always a struggle. It's still a struggle uh, because there's always more to do than we can fit in the time that we have allotted. But, but, you know, one of the lessons my dad taught me was you have all the time you need to, to do the things that you need to do. The things that you don't need to do, if you don't block them out, they'll consume the time and prevent you from doing the things that you do have the right amount of time to do. So it, it's all about time management, scheduling, prioritization, and keeping that habu as a primary goal. What are the things that only you can do that are highest and best priority? And anything else needs to be delegated or just ignored. You, you cannot do it all. There's no way that you're going to be able to do it all. So you have to pick and choose what matters and then spend your time on that. Well said. And uh, it becomes a habit, right? It's a flywheel. Uh, you start very slowly and then you build it. And then once you have momentum, you know, on, on not to make uh, light of this very deep sharing about the moment between you and your daughter. I'm so glad, Arlen, that it's our daughters that make these monumental shifts in our lives because I'm not sure if my son came to me and had that same question. I'd probably tell him what he needs to do. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I think it's a good observation. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the daily blog that I write. And, you know, that came out of this time frame and, and, the recognition that in my case, I need to connect with God in the morning for me to get my mindset right. I need to stop and reflect on what's happened, you know, yesterday, what did I learn? And what am I going to do today? And take control of, of my thoughts and take control of my time so that I can use it the best way possible. And so that's why I write six days a week. It's not so I can send it to people all over the globe. It's so I get my own head right. And it's amazing what happens when I, through that discipline, that's, that's the number one discipline that's changed my world, is just taking time every day to write. And the world looks forward to it. So thank you for, for bringing up spirituality and Christianity. And, you know, there are times, and, and I'm going to throw out a few uh, position statements, so to speak, Arlen. One is the fact that there is absolutely no doubt that uh, you are religious, you are spiritual, I use those terms interchangeably, and you represent your beliefs and your Christianity, and you take it to the workplace and have no doubts about it, right? And then I'm going to juxtaposition that. And actually, before I do that, I want to thank you because one of the books that you did actually share with me um, is right here on my desk, and that's The Case for Christ because we, we live in a scientific world, right? We're breaking things down scientifically, and uh, it does help to position 
our beliefs, our spirituality, and and to create space. Uh, there's always a moment in one's life, right? We we live, we all live, wild teenage years, uh, and then you you look at today's millennials one of whom is brilliantly helping us here with our podcast thank you sam so uh you know the one thing that they definitely do is give back right and and uh, i don't mean that uh, in terms of separating them from the rest of the herd but there's toms and there's ethos where you buy a pair of shoes and you get one so the concept of giving back this concept of uh leaving the planet better than we got it right is alive and well thank god for that we spend a lot of time separating church and state and i say we as in the baby boomers and you know as we were learning to define culture in the workplace uh, and so it was about this this famous adage of you know you don't talk about uh women politics and religion at work um yet here you are right a firm ambassador and we're all the better for it so i'm sure there were hurdles i'm sure you it took some refining uh but but talk about uh, your spirituality and the intersection of uh, religion and work, please. Well, um, you know, I grew up, I grew up in a, a Christian home and had, you know, great influence from my grandparents and my parents and, and uh, church was always just part of who I was um, and had a great experience at Iowa state in a, a, uh, Christian organization there and, and they poured into me. So, so when I came back to the farm, I was pretty, pretty geared up and ready to go. Um, and you know, I, I allowed work and success to get in the way of my relationship with, with God. And, uh, you know, I, I pulled away in the late nineties or, or in the nineties in general, um, didn't think I needed it anymore. i you know, was doing good, had a company started, was starting to grow, read the press and believed it. And that's a mistake always. Don't read the press. Um, but, you know, I, I walked away from, from God and didn't have time. And uh, it, it was probably the darkest decade of my life, spiritually, without a doubt. And, you know, that spilled over onto my company and my culture. And, uh, you know, the thing I learned along that journey was that you can't lead if you're not transparent and transparency in my case had to include my spiritual relationship with God, because it, 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 as I came out of, uh, into 2000 and figured out what my problem was, which was I had completely taken a right turn and left God behind. Um, you know, I vowed that I wasn't gonna let that happen again, that I had to live transparently some people wouldn't necessarily um, like my position. I don't use my religion as a, you know, a hammer that I beat people over the head with. I, I just live it, and, uh, but I'm not afraid to talk about it because it is, it's core to who I am. And so I've taken that tact you know, ever since. And uh, you know, there, are, there are naysayers and people that think I'm crazy and shouldn't do that. And, and others that tell me constantly, well, this is going to destroy your influence. And I find that, you know, being transparent, people want to follow transparent leaders. They want to follow people that are real. And it's part of me being real. So uh, that's the that's the way that I've taken it. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it's been very, very 
very, very successful. I do it anyway because it is who I am. Uh, I just, you know, live it publicly, I guess. Well said. Um, there are tests, right? We we do the Myers-Briggs and, and we do all these personality tests that constantly say that if you are not who you are, you're creating unnecessary stress between the person you are at home and the person you're at work. So the point towards being transparent and constantly being who you are is a valid one. Thank you for that, uh, Arlen. Yeah. As the world goes by, um, you know, one of the things you do that at least to me, looks like a ton of fun is peer groups, right? We meet with brilliant minds uh, and talk, talk about what's happened, share experiences, talk about what's ahead and form uh, direction, form consensus, form opinions, right? And and you specifically are at the fire hose of I mean, I'm, I'm juxtapositioning this, but or this is an oxymoron, but it's the essence of IT, so to speak. I mean, there are multiple groups. They have IT in common. Uh, and, and you were able to see things. You were able to go through trends and businesses reinventing themselves at one time, probably when, when you started... Uh, uh, micro memory chips were the hottest thing in town, uh, you know. And today it's this mysterious world of cybersecurity, uh, and you've seen it all. I mean, you've seen these various iterations. You've seen people uh, building empires, and you've seen businesses sold and transitioned successfully. And you've also seen some failures. And um, my point is that you've you've seen it all. And I'd like to position this question a little differently. What did you not see coming? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, first of all, people usually position me as being around when wheels started to come along. (laughs) But uh, I don't go quite back that far. But, you know, COVID would be certainly one thing that I didn't see coming. Um, Just the, the idea of how disruptive something could be in, in our economy and in the, in the world that we live in, uh, that, that one I wasn't expecting, wasn't prepared for. And, uh, you know, the good news from an IT industry perspective is it validated how essential IT companies are to make this world go around. And, uh, you know, overall companies in the IT space have done pretty darn good as as they've worked through the the covid period so uh, that would be certainly the recent most recent one um you know another thing that i didn't see coming at the level it has come is the whole private equity investment into the it space um you know it's a normal maturing of an industry uh to see consolidation happen and all that but the 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 amount of money that private equity has earmarked for our industry is is significantly larger than I would have expected. And the speed at which they're trying to make this all happen is faster than I would have expected. And I would have seen it happen over a 10 to 15 year period, but I, they want to jam it in a five year period and they're doing a pretty good job of it right now. So you know, that, that's a significant change to the industry that we're part of. You know, a lot of these smaller and not so smaller, but they're all getting bigger and brought together and becoming 
you know, a more corporate and disciplined uh, kind of environment. So, um, you know, those are a couple of key things that, you know, and, and you live through this as well. IT has gone through these business model transitions. You know, we started selling product and then we started to do some services and started to add value and became VARs and, and uh, you know, then we got into the managed services stuff and, you know, today we're in the security world. That's probably another area I didn't see coming is what the impact of what ransomware and, and security uh, issues could create. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we're just starting to see the, the start of that whole uh, transitional period. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of change happen. I, I think about when I started the business and driving around in my car with one of these bag phones that, you know, could be a weapon, uh, you know, weighed 20 pounds and, and you had a big handle on it and you could flip that thing around, kill somebody. But, uh, you know, today it's all, we got more stuff on this little phone in our pocket than, uh, than we had in a, in, a, in a huge computer back in the day. So lots of transition, but uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. Never a dull moment, that's for sure. This is, there is no doubt about that. And uh, boy, did you hit it on the head with COVID. Talk about one little bug bringing a world down on its knees. Uh, absolutely true. Well, and, and the thing about COVID that's going to be so interesting is, you know, when it hit back in March of 2020, the entire world knew what had to happen. People had to be moved to home and had to work from home. I mean, everybody was on the same path. Now, as I work with, with companies that are trying to return to office, there's a thousand flavors of what that looks like. All the way from, well, we're just gonna go back to where we were to we are we have no office anymore we're going to be work remote for everybody and then in between you've got all these flavors of what hybrids are going to look like and so that creates all kind of chaos for companies for employees for the hiring market uh, i mean it's it's just going to be the covid impact is going to last for years uh, we're, we're a long ways from through this thing Thank goodness, you know, from a health perspective, we're starting to get our arms around it. But the impact in the economy and in business is going to last for years. Absolutely. So, Arlen, one of the things that, amongst the many other things, one of the things that you do very well um, and with the same ease as uh, driving a combine harvester is run peer groups. Um, and, and I've seen this from personal experience you are able to elicit responses, get people involved. And, um, you know, Facebook, right? Mark Zuckerberg has this one opening question every time you pop up Facebook and it's what's on your mind. And that's created, you know, billions of dollars in, in an empire. And uh, you famously open uh, your peer group sessions with a simple, what's your one thing? Uh, so guess what? I'm in the driver's seat and I get to ask you, what is your one thing, Marlon Sorensen? Yeah, I, I kind of wish I had the billion dollar thing that yeah. does, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's coming. Maybe it's coming. You know, Phil, when I, when I think about my one thing, 
I would tie it with what my purpose statement is. Um, you know, and, and this is something that I've worked on and refined over the years, but, you know, I've come to understand that my purpose uh, on this planet is to be a difference. You know, it's a very simple, short statement, but um, for, for a number of years, I said, God put me here to make a difference. And what I realized was that, you know, I can make a difference in a lot of different ways. And uh, what I started to do was make a difference by giving some money, having employees go participate in some charity thing, you know, doing all these things that really I wasn't that directly involved in. And, you know, I had one of those moments where, where I got the, the two by four across the side of the head of, you know, you're, you're talking about making a difference, but you're not doing anything to be different. And so, you know, I, 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 got the message. And, and the reality is that, you know, my one thing is to be a difference. No matter what I'm doing, I want to be a difference. And uh, that means I have to be in the game. I can't be sitting on the sidelines coaching or, or sending other people in to do the plays. I got to be on the field. And, uh, and, and that, that's really the way I've tried to live my life. You know, that's, that's how I try to facilitate peer groups, um, you know, and, and, I get to do six, six groups a quarter. So I, I see a lot of people in a lot of situations, but I want to be a difference for every one of those, those individuals that I get to touch and uh, actively engage and understand and, and look for opportunities to really be a difference. Um, not just say, well, I facilitated a peer group and I made a difference in their world. Uh, that's, not, that's not what God's put me here for. It's identify what is it that I can do to make a difference for Philip and be that difference. And uh, so that's my one thing. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's why I do what I do every day. Uh, I want to be a difference in the lives of every person I touch. Amen. And rest assured, you are six peer groups across the globe so that's no mean feat and uh, in terms of making a difference i'm glad you asked absolutely uh, if there's one person at a minimum who bears testimony it's me and i want to take you back to the day when you had given us homework from one of our peer groups and you had said you know here's a chart and five different things uh mental physical spiritual emotional uh, plot this across, you know, one year, three years, five years, 10 and 15, um, and do this with your wife. And I remember the Saturday morning when we're sitting, I'm sitting down with Bernadine and we're talking about, you know, what does life look like a year from now and, and 10 and 15 years till we get to this question about, you know, what's our legacy, right? What do we want to give back? And Bernadine says, you know, I, I want to I want to do something for orphan kids. And for me, it was education. And from that moment, directly connected to you was born Aniti, the nonprofit that continues to positively affect, you know, at least 600 girls in India who've never seen a computer. Uh, so if nothing else, Arlen, that will get you through St. Peter's pearly gates. Um, and, and so my next question is about you know, just being human and relationships. Uh, talk a bit about your family, uh, because that's core and center in your life. Uh, you get back to the farm, spend a reasonable amount of time. Your blogs often refer to to Lori, to the sons, to 
family to Nancy. So talk a bit about the family, uh, and then I'll remind you about the other two. Uh, but there, what's your mantra and your core values? Yeah. So you know, first of all, uh, your your work with the needy is is amazing, and uh, you know, it's that kind of outcome that really keeps me going. You know, you are being a difference in the lives of people uh, halfway across the globe. And, you know, so kudos to you for that and for taking action. You know, um, I talk to a lot of people about legacy and life planning and all that stuff. And unfortunately, for many, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. There's a few folks like you that actually take it and do something with it. And so kudos for that. Thank you. Um, you, you get know, full credit, Arlen. No, I don't get full credit. But uh, if I planted a seed, I'm happy about that. You know, family-wise, uh, you know, I, I married married my bride back in 1977, the same year I started farming. Um, and that year we had a drought. And so my initial year of farming was uh, almost my final year. Uh, but we made it through. Um, so we've been married now, you know, all will be 44 years this year, I guess. Um, and so, uh, she'd tell you probably half of those are happy, but, uh, we're, we're together. So we have endured. Um, we got two kids, uh, Pete, who's our oldest, um, and, uh, is part of, he's been part of, uh, the, the peer group program and, uh, now works at ConnectWise on the strategy team, uh, like I do. Um, He's got his bride, Megan, and we've got four grandkids. So one, one definite lesson that I learned about family is you need kids to get to grandkids, but the whole kid thing, I could skip that and go straight to the grandkids. That's where the good stuff is. Um, so we've got four of them. They range 15 down to nine. Uh, lots of life, lots of energy, lots of everything. And so we, uh, we have a great time with them. And then our daughter, Lori, um, you know, is, is uh, also was part of the peer group program and works at ConnectWise in the education team. Um, so we're all still working together in many ways and uh, on the same mission of trying to help people achieve their success and, and uh, get to where they want to go. And, uh, you know, Nancy and I are really proud of them. They've, uh, you know, grown up to be great great young people and uh, are making an impact in the world. And, and uh, so we're excited about that for sure. What's your mantra, Alan? Well, my mantra is to be a difference, right? I mean, that, that is, that's why I get up in the morning. It's why I do what I do. Um, you know, and, and I'm having so much fun right now because, you know, people that I've been investing in for the last 20 years are getting to the stage of life where legacy is, it's not just a plan anymore. It's getting executed. And uh, people are, are having successful financial exits from the business. But more importantly, they're, they're figuring out what's next. You know, and that's the question that I think everybody needs to spend time thinking about is what's next. We all have a next. Uh, even Sam, who's young, has got a next. She may not have stopped to think about it yet. But the sooner you do that, the more likely you're going to be to get there. And uh, so I'm seeing that happen almost daily right now. And, and it is exciting to, to be 
able to watch people have a plan, execute a plan, and now begin to reap the benefits of that plan is amazing. And of course, you know, my challenge to them is what's next, but after they move to the next path, there's another next. We all have a what's next. And uh, we all need to be thinking about what that looks like so we can shape it. Thanks again to you, Arlen. I'm happy to report that Sam has actually drawn up her plan uh, and shared it. So uh, at least we have it down and we're committed, right? So th that's a good thing. Arlen, let's briefly talk about your core values because that's what shapes and directs you every day. Absolutely. Core values are so important and it's an, it's an area that unfortunately a lot of people don't take seriously enough. I see them as the guardrails along the highway of life or business. It's what keeps you centered and on track. And I've got six core values. Um, you know, my first one is to love God. Second one is to love people, which I both get from my spiritual relationship. Uh, the third one that I've learned along the way is I need to live on purpose for, for a purpose. Um, purpose is it's underestimated in terms of its impact for each of us to really have a life that that's uh, fulfilling. Uh, my fourth core value is I, I want to lead well. So God's given me influence and opportunity and, and I want to make sure that I'm leading well. Uh, the fifth one is I try to learn something every day and uh, that's not that hard to do if you just slow down a little bit. And there's always lessons to be learned. And that's often what I write about in my, uh, my daily blog. And then my sixth one is to be legacy minded. I always want to think legacy in any decision I'm making, in any relationship I'm building, um, but always have legacy in the back of my mind so that I'm staying true to what I want to accomplish and, and make sure that we get there. So. Those are my six core values. They haven't really changed a lot. I've refined them a little from a wording perspective, but um, that's what's been my guardrails that have kept me on the on the track uh, for the last 20 some years. Amazing. And anyone that knows you will attest to the fact that you keep those front and center. Arlen, how do people find you? So, who do you want to connect with? Um, how how do we how can we help? connect you with people and in turn if others want to who are hearing this podcast want to find you where do they find you so uh the blog i write daily is it, it's a private blog so uh, i don't publish it broadly on the internet um, my motive is not to get tens of thousands of followers my motive is to get the followers that want to follow uh, so the way that you connect with me is just simply an email um, Arlen, A-R-L-I-N, at ArlenSorenson.com. Um, and, you know, if you send me an email and ask to be part of my daily uh, blog, I'll put you on the, the list and you can opt out at any point in time. But it goes daily to about 800 people around the globe. Um, and, uh, you know, I always tell anybody that reads my stuff every day, they, they got there's something wrong somewhere. Uh, I write a lot of stuff. I, I am a prolific word guy. Uh, but what I, what I try to encourage people is when you get the nudge, read the email because there's something in there that, that uh, God put in there specifically for you. That's the, that's the fun part of, of the daily blog. 
every day I'll get a handful of emails from people saying, oh, you hit me right in the head with that one, or how did you know that this was a challenge I was going through, you know? And, and that's what makes it exciting to know that, you know, a few people are being blessed by, by what I write every day. I write it for my own benefit. I, I need to do it just to keep my own head on straight and be centered in what I do for the day. But the fact that with technology, it's pretty easy to push the button and let it go. Uh, it's easy to share. So I, I'm happy to share it with anybody that would like to be part of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's something in there that will be a benefit and value to you. And we'll make sure to to add your email address to this podcast so people can find you. And you're absolutely right. In your blogs, you've covered, you know, things like transitioning and various versions of iPhones and apps to something even more deep like happiness. And you never know when one of those paragraphs hits the right person at the right time. And that's what it's all about. Arlen Sorensen, thank you very much uh, for all the wisdom, the emotion, and for all the transparency and sharing, and for joining us on this uh, episode of Secure IT. As I continue the discussion with customers, vendors, end users, and employees, helping us learn from your insights and knowledge and your various experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, please make sure to follow this podcast for free on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and wherever podcasts are hosted please do direct message me on linkedin or twitter with feedbacks questions kudos and comments thanks again and see you next month <laughs>